To those of you listening to us on the internet, to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, to our members and guests here at beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God upon which we base our message on this third Sunday after Pentecost is the Old Testament reading. <clears throat> you heard it read before from Genesis chapter 3. I recall just these words. I will make you and the woman hostile toward each other. I will make your descendants and her descendant hostile toward each other. He will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. <clears throat> In the name of our dear Lord Jesus Christ, who truly did crush Satan's head, my beloved. What you are about to hear is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I want to recount two very important histories, which are the absolute truth. The history of creation. God created the world in six days. The history of the fall. Man fell from perfection and holiness by disobedience to God. Now, the reason for mentioning that, that this is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, is that you approach those two histories as nothing more than fables or allegories. Then, this existence in which you're experiencing right now is all that there is. But Jesus says that it's history. He said, at the beginning, the Creator made them male and female. For this reason, a, a man will uh, leave father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And he was quoting Moses from Genesis 2. Jesus also said, the devil was a murderer from the beginning, as we're going to recount the story. If you don't know those two histories as real fact, there's no reason for a rescuer for a Savior. Somebody once said, well, you know, Jesus, when he talked about the devil, the liar from the beginning and creating the world and all that stuff, well, Jesus could make mistakes too. Well, if Jesus made mistakes about those two histories as not being fact, then obviously he could not be the perfect son of God, and then he's just an ordinary man and his death on the cross does nothing for us. You see, all the falsehoods of the devil lead us away from Jesus. Now, as I was preparing my message for this morning <clears throat> on Genesis chapter 3, I came to the realization that there's a very fine line between hiding and being lost. I remember way back when either my oldest daughter or, or second oldest daughter, we were at Mayfair shopping in one of the women's stores, and you know there's all those round uh, kiosks or uh, clothing racks, and so one of our daughters decided that she was going to play a little trick on us and hide under those clothing racks. Well, all of a sudden you begin to panic. You know, I got down on the floor, tried to see little feet down there, I couldn't see little feet. You really start to panic. And then I went into the mall area, and nobody there. And, of course, finally, later on, she came out laughing, like, you know, 
playing a big trick on us. She was hiding, and I thought that she would be lost. Some of you remember reading the uh, Tom Sawyer novel and how one time to try to hide out along the cave, in the caves of the Mississippi River, he got into one of those caves and he barely got out. He was hiding and he got lost. This last week, somebody hacked my credit card. And you know, the mess that that causes, right? Identity theft and all the stuff you have to go through. And I was thinking there too, the people that do all those stuff, they're always in hiding because they know what's going to happen uh, if they're ever caught. And I think probably because of their activities, they're also lost. So pray for them. I remember when I was a kid, too, my dad uh, was a disciplinarian. And I don't know if uh, some of you remember when you were younger, but um, every once in a while, my mom would say uh, during the, the end of the day, just wait until your father comes home. And so I always had a favorite hiding place where nobody could find me, supposedly until Dad calmed down. The words before us this morning are about a husband and wife who were lost and in hiding. They they separated themselves from God and His love by their disobedience, and so they were lost. And then they went to hide because they were afraid of what their creator would do. Yes, it all started in the beginning of time. The true story. God's beautiful creation. He placed that that husband and that wife, Adam and Eve, in those beautiful Garden of Eden. I don't know if any of you have been down to um, Whitmore Park with Borner uh, Botanical Bar- Gardens or many times at the domes, the Milwaukee domes at springtime, and you say, oh my goodness, how gorgeous. The Garden of Eden was uh, perhaps, a th- if you can imagine that, and a thousand times more beautiful. That's only a fraction of how beautiful it was in the Garden of Eden. And God placed our very first parents there. Now, we only have ten commandments. I mean, we have ten commandments. Adam and Eve only had one. Just think of that. We got ten and then a whole lot more in the New Testament. Adam and Eve only had one. God said, you must never eat of the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil because on the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. And just to reiterate, once again, people say, well, why did God give them that commandment in the first place? The same way that he gives us our commandments today when Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. It was an opportunity for Adam and Eve every day to show their love for God and their thanksgiving by just staying away from the tree. We, of course, know that when God created the world, he also created three creatures. He created animals, and he created angels, And he created humans. And the story is that the angels in some sin disobeyed God and they fell from God's grace and that's why he created hell. And the devil uh, had a whole bunch of legions of fallen angels follow him too. And so it was the devil, a fallen angel, that got inside a snake and started talking to Eve in the Garden of Eden. Now, how that all happened, that the devil climbed into a snake and the snake talked and that, I don't know, but we do know what happened. That's what happened. Climbed into a snake, serpent talked, 
And then there were those three temptations. The temptation to doubt. And the temptation to Eve, you can be your own authority just like God, and you can have it now. And the devil twisted God's word. If the devil had three shots, it took his three best shots at you, what would they be? Well, immediately after Eve looked and she took and she ate and she gave, then all of a sudden they were afraid and they were ashamed. And they went to hide because they were afraid of what their creator would do. And God in his grace and mercy came walking in the cool of the evening in the garden trying to find his children. And he said, where are you? He gave them an opportunity to apologize and to confess. But when he found them, he didn't find his children. He found his enemies. Enemies with no intention of apology or confession. And so all the excuses and all the blame games started. He goes, Adam, Adam, what did you do? Well, it's this woman that you gave to me. Oh, yeah, that's really a good excuse. You're blaming God, right? He gave her as a gift. And then he goes, e, what, what did you do? Well, it's this serpent, you know, that you created. Blaming God. Lame excuses. No confession. No apology. So here we are today, already in June 2018, still the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. Still making the same excuses And we're not always ready to confess and apologize either. And so we create all these little idioms, little white lie, a fib, tying one on now and again, up to a little mischief. Pardon my French. I stretched the truth. I only did it once. He hit me first. You know what's at the, 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 the center of all that stuff? Rationalization and self-justification. Now, justification is the central truth of all of Scripture, that God declares us not guilty or justified because of what Jesus did. But every day we forget all about that and we try to self-justify, to declare ourselves not guilty. And all the idioms and all the excuses, everybody does it. My parents were too strict. The teacher was too hard. I was a victim of my circumstances. It's not sinful if it's not illegal. It's not sinful as long as I didn't mean to hurt anyone. It's not sinful because I was under a lot of stress. It's not sinful as as long as nobody complained about it. Just like Adam and Eve. And just think about what God could have done. After that, he could have been so angry that he just sent fire and brimstone down from heaven to create a big black carbon hole in the middle of the Garden of Eden. But he didn't do that. Instead, what he did was he talked about some consequences now of their disobedience. Adam, thorns and thistles are going to get in the field and you're going to work by the sweat of your brow. 
And that's why there's many mornings when you get up and you always say to yourself, I can't wait to finish my cereal so I can get in the car and get to work again because I love it so much. Because that's not the way it is and that's the result of the fall into sin. Work isn't always fun anymore. And then poor Eve, you're going to bear children by pain and suffering and I don't care all the women that are here that have ever had children, none of them are going to say, well, there is no pain at all. And then, of course, the ultimate consequence is death. From dust you came, and to dust you will return. All the consequences. But you see, over and above all the consequences, God had a plan that sin would be punished and that God could restore his enemies to make them his children once again. I will make you and the woman hostile toward each other. I will make your descendants and her descendant hostile toward each other. He will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. That's the promise of the Savior. Right after no confession, no apology, God in his grace and mercy promises a Savior. He said, I'm going to have to, he's talking to the snake, by the way, not to Adam or Eve. He's talking to the snake. He says, you know what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to have to put hostility between you and the woman because right now there's a great love affair going on. Eve transferred her trust to Satan and God was going to have to break that relationship because Adam and Eve couldn't. Still remains the very same thing today. This all is so because the corrupt nature is hostile, is that hostile attitude towards God. It refuses to place itself under the authority of God's standards because it can't. And that's the way you and I were born. Hostile to God, in love with the devil. And God had to change something to make us his children once again. And how did God do it? He decided to do it with a message. A message of bruising and crushing. To the snake, to the devil, God said, He's going to crush your head, but you will bruise his heel. And so Jesus, a descendant of Eve, crushed the power of Satan. In the process, though, he was hurt and he was beaten and he was whipped and he was crucified. But in the process, the power of Satan was eliminated. I always like to use the illustration. You know, we got VBS coming up pretty soon. And most of the time when we have VBS, it's always hot. And so everybody comes to VBS in shorts, you know, and T-shirts and everything like that. Well, just envision us all down there eating our pizza one uh, uh, night at 5.30. And uh, some of the little kids are walking around in barefoot and everything, and I'm took my sandals off, and all of a sudden a little copperhead snake comes slithering into the kitchen. And I say to myself, well, I don't want that little copperhead to, to bite any of those little kids. And I'm walking around barefoot, so I smash the, 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 the heads uh, of the snake, and the snake dies. But in the process, it nails me in the heel before it dies. You see, Jesus crushed the power of Satan. But in the process, he was stung, he was bruised, he suffered, and he died. 
And because of that, now Satan has no more power over, over us. You know what Satan's power or temptation always is? To accuse us of sin. He's the accuser. But he can't accuse us anymore because God has wiped away all of our sins through Jesus Christ. No more accusations. It's finished, Jesus says. All sins wiped clean. And by the message of sin punished through his son, he calls us to be his children. A message so powerful that it saved Adam and Eve. And I tell you, this is a mysterious, powerful statement found in the book of Revelation where Jesus says, the lamb who was slaughtered before the creation of the world was the Savior. St. Paul said, so sin came into the world through one person, Adam, because you know Adam really created uh, uh, um, did the, the greatest sin, you know. It says that Eve was uh, deceived. But Adam wasn't. He knew exactly what he was doing. Greater sin. So, sin came into the world through one person, and death came through sin. Death sprayed to everyone because everyone sinned. It is certain that death ruled because of one person's failure. It is even more certain that those who receive God's overflowing kindness and his gift of his approval will rule in life because of one person, Jesus. One person came in all crashing down. Another person builds it all up and gives us forgiveness and eternal life. But still today, here we are, sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, prone to the very same sins of excuses. Just like our first parents, we start out as enemies of God, but then he calls us out of the unbelieving world to be his children by a message that one of Eve's descendants would crush Satan's head. And he would lose his power forever. You know, as old as you get, you can still remember back to your childhood. And I still remember those days that I hid. And I can still see that hiding place. Remember how Adam and Eve hid. But now, instead of running from him to hide, by his invitation, we run to him to hide in his arms for love and for protection. What a father we have. What a God we have. We hide, he seeks, he finds, and he forgives. And thanks be to God for that. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Please stand. The peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus, amen. We confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, 
the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We take this time together, our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards. <laughs> 